0: He's very determined. He prowls around. Peter says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then uh, we looked at last week, we looked at the, that we were, we were briefed on his tactics, uh, on his modus operandi, how he operates. He operates through doubt, through deception, through division, through unforgiveness in the body of Christ, and obviously through temptation to sin. So he is, he's very, very dangerous. Very, very uh, destructive. And I, I made the argument that because of that, we, we, we dare not underestimate him. We dare not a- underestimate our enemy. On the other hand, and it may, it may sound like I'm going to take back what I just said, on the other hand, though, we, we ought not give him too much prominence either because he is defeated. He is, uh, for, especially for those of you that are in a Job study, he is under the authority of God. That 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 he is, uh, he is he has boundaries and parameters that have been set by God Himself. So so we, we can't give him too much prominence either. So so our focus really needs to be on Christ, um, the the, the, the all powerful, and as the Book of Colossians argued, the preeminent one who has overcome him through the cross. And so. Our focus, uh, it's interesting, that not that much is told us about him. Uh, we know a lot of his names. We know his tactics. God has given us enough information to know how he operates. Uh, but our focus really needs to be on Christ. And we'll find out that in, this, in this text um, that he has not left us helpless uh, against this enemy. Uh, and this brings us back to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 10. with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Uh, in, in approaching this text this morning, I, I want us to, to look at verses 10 through 13 because there are three imperatives there that I really want to, uh, I guess, base the, the, the sermon on this morning. Um, look with me again if you would to verse 10. Finally, be strong. You want to underline be strong. That's the first imperative. Uh, this, is, this is what we call a, a passive uh, verb meaning that the action is being received by the subject, not being performed by the subject. So this would be, this would be very similar. This is the very same structure as in, when the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled is a command, but we don't go out and perform the filling. Filling is something that is done to us or upon us. Same thing here. So although it's an, an imperative, it's in a passive voice, which means we receive the strengthening. So I, I guess I think I think some of our translations even say "be strengthened" is the sense of it. So that's the that's the first imperative that we want to look at is be strong. Number two is in verse 11 when he says, "Put on the whole armor of God." Put on. That's another imperative. This is a, what we call a middle voice. Now, oftentimes middle voice doesn't mean mean anything, but here I think it does. I think the middle voice is reflexive. In other words, it says it's something that you do to yourself. So he's saying. You yourselves put on the whole armor of God. So, passive, be strengthened. Now, you yourselves put on the full armor of God. That's the second imperative. The third imperative is in verse 13. Take up. Therefore, take up. Now, there's really, I guess, contextually, there's, there's really very little difference between take up and put on. This may have been a, a case where Paul is just, for stylistic purposes, uh, using a, a different verb. But it, it has, still has the sense of, of put on, take up. And I think, think the NIV, in fact, takes it that way. as it, it translates this as, as put on as well. Even though it's a, different, it's a different verb, it has the same sense. So, be strengthened, put on, and take up. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Next week, we're going to look at inventory our armor. Today, we're just gearing up. Gear up. The first one is be strengthened. He says, be strengthened, be strong in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? To be strong in the Lord. What comes to mind? What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? This is, you can participate. Okay, in the Lord, put your trust in. So maybe that's the sense of be strengthened by your trust in the Lord. Okay. Okay, it's, maybe it's coming from. Yeah. In the Lord is, is in the sphere of, that everything related to Him. Um, sometimes you could, you could say, by virtue of our relationship with Him, we are strengthened. But, but, but clearly he says that we are to be strengthened in the Lord or by the Lord. I think that's a legitimate usage of this. And then he says, in the strength of His might. Look Look again. In the Lord and in the strength of his might. So there's two in's here. In the Lord and in the strength of his might. And they're both probably instrumental. In other words, I want you to be strengthened by the Lord and by the strength of his might. Now here's what I would do I would paraphrase this by saying, be strengthened by the Lord's mighty strength. Because he, he takes two, two phrases, in the Lord and in the strength of his might, and I think those are those are complementing each other. So I, I would I would do this, I would translate this as be strengthened by the Lord's mighty strength. Um, turn back to chapter three, verse sixteen, and we get, I think, a little bit better picture of this. Ephesians three sixteen. According according to the riches of his glory, He may grant you to be strengthened. See, that's the same verb that we have in 6.10. That He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So so I I think that's the same sense that we have in Ephesians 6.10. To be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner being with all of His might and with all of His strength. Now, why is this important to remember? Why is this necessary? Look at verse 12 again. Really, verse 12, as I studied this, really verse 12 really controls this entire section. For by four, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if you tell me that my, my struggle is with Ruth, okay, my battle is with Ruth, I can handle that. I can see her. I can touch her. I think I can take her. I don't know, though. She'd probably be pretty scrappy. But he says, our battles are are not against flesh and blood. So the question is, how do I battle unseen forces, unseen beings? David, I can't shoot them. I can't punch them. I can't kick them. How do I do this? And, And that is why he says... We are to be strengthened by the Lord, by His mighty strength, because this battle is not against flesh and blood. This is not against beings that you could see, feel, hear, and touch. And in fact, this is a, a serious and sober reminder that we need to take this war very seriously. We would never imagine a soldier in today's army rushing into battle without any... Without any gear no no vest no gun no helmet just rushing out into battle we we wouldn't he wouldn't think of doing that he wouldn't stand a chance the same is true for us spiritually we need to take this war seriously we we can't go out in our own resources we 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 can't see them we can't hear them we cannot depend on our own resources in fact uh, i just thought of the second corinthians chapter 10 if you turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, this is a different context. Paul, in, in the second part of 2 Corinthians, he's defending his apostleship. And, and, and these, uh, these uh, people are uh, saying, well, Paul's not a super apostle. He's just a normal apostle, small a. He's trying to defend his apostleship, and, and uh, they're bringing all of these arguments against him. You know, he's, his, he doesn't speak that well. He doesn't speak with a lot of authority. Um, and so Paul is, in the second part of 2 Corinthians, is really answering those arguments and those objections. So this is a different context, but I think the point is the same. In chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. He's saying that, that, that although I have a physical body, um, I do not wage war with my physical body. In other words, there is, a, there is a realm in which a battle is going on, and that's the realm in which I need to do battle, in essence. In fact, he says that. He goes on to say, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're, they're not guns and knives and bombs, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Now, what is this battle talking about? Battle against what? Philosophy, thoughts, thinking, speculations. We go to war against false ideas, false speculations about who God is. And we don't we don't do that in our own strength. We do that with God's strength, is what His point. So be strengthened. We can't go rushing in battle, and and, and we are supplied with strength. And and, and here's here's what I thought about. I don't think I ever consciously felt it. Don't I don't think we need to expect a sudden jolt of adrenaline. Um, I, I think that that it's being done to us as we pray, as we look at, we'll look later, as we pray and as we rely upon Him. It's not something that you're going to feel. Don't expect feelings. Um, don't expect like physically when you get ready to run a race. You know, you feel this this, this rush of adrenaline. Probably not going to happen. This is more by faith. Be strengthened. He will strengthen us. It's passive. He's going to strengthen us if we put on our armor, which we're going to look at. Okay, so we are supplied with strength primarily through prayer, but also if you go back to Ephesians, in context, probably it's better to say what is the Lord's strength? In context, it's probably these, these various pieces of armor that we're going to put on. So that's the strength that he wants to give to us, is these, these pieces of armor that he wants to give to us. Uh, let's just look at those, although we're not going to go through each one this today. Verse 14, Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, put, having put on readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith. And then take the helmet, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we're going to look at these more closely next week. Seven genitives. So get ready for a genitive Sunday. Next Sunday. These are the, these are, these are the description of the strength that He gives us. Faith. Truth righteousness, the gospel, um, shield of faith. All of these things are what He gives to us. So He says, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to gear up. And I'm going to provide you the gear. You have to put it on. Which leads us to number two. Verse 11. Look to me at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, we already talked about the schemes of the devil. Doubt, division. Okay, But he says, I want you to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against it. This word simply means to clothe yourself. Uh, you put on a shirt. You clothe yourself with a shirt. It's very straightforward. It's what we need to put on. and that's, and, and it's why we need to put it on that is significant. And that is because, in fact... We face an enemy that we cannot see, hear, feel, touch. So what do we put on? What does it say? What does verse 11 say? Put on what? The armor of God? Ah, full armor of God. What is this uh, genitive armor of God? What does that mean? The armor of God. (laughs) What are they? The armor, that Otter armor that comes from God. That is characterized by God. There, there's a lot of different options. Okay. The armor that God supplies. OK, that's probably the, the probably in context, the armor, something along the lines of the armor that God has given us, the armor that God supplies, put on the armor that God has supplied for us. And else he says. The full armor. Now, why is full armor important? why But full armor be important. Yeah. Uh, our, again, our enemy is pretty smart. He's pretty cunning. And uh, it, that's why the emphasis is on put on the full armor of God now, here. I can't remember, until I started studying this passage, I just can't remember in the near and distant future how consciously I've been in terms of, number one, that, that I'm in a battle, that, that there is a spiritual battle, there's spiritual warfare going on, and number two, that I have consciously have done this. Now, we'll, we'll see next week what more specifically what that looks like um, but it's important that we understand that we, in our Christian life, we have to be balanced. We can't just say, well, I'm going to be about uh, you know, head knowledge or about truth and not, and not, really, con- and not really be much into faith. Um, I'm going to know a lot about the scriptures, but in terms of righteousness, maybe I'm going to, yeah, you know, it's not that big a deal to me. I think what he's going to be arguing for is a balanced Christian life, really. But he says you need to put on not just the armor of God, but the full armor of God. And here's here's what's amazing is that when we become a Christian, when we put our faith and trust in Christian in in Christ, we change clothing. We take off our prisoner garments and we put on armor, spiritual armor. We get our helmet, we get our body armor, we get our sword. Now we would it would be uh, we'll talk about it probably be a sidearm would be the equivalent. We get a sidearm. Um, we, we change clothing when we come to know Christ. Now we enter from one of prisoner to one of active. Okay, maybe it's like you go from inactive to active. He says, I want you to put on the full armor of God. And so that what? There's a so that, which is a reason. For the reason, why does he want us to put on the armor, full armor of God? That we may be able to stand firm or stand against. To stand firm really is the sense of it. This is mentioned three times in verses 11 through 14. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. What is the image here? Is this image offensive or defensive? Defensive. There's nothing offensive in this text. Yeah, it mentions the sword of the Spirit, but it doesn't tell us what we're supposed to do with that sword. Everything is defensive. The main main idea in this whole text is to stand firm. It, it, it It is defensive. We are not told to bring the war to him, to our enemy. We are never instructed, take the war to the devil. Quite the opposite. He is already bringing the war to us. We don't have to worry about bringing the war to him. He's bringing it to us. It reminded me of that of that um, that parable that Jesus told uh, in Luke. I think it was in Luke. And he was talking. To, he gave two two parables. One is someone begins to make a, build a building and and they didn't count the cost and they weren't able to finish the building. You remember this? And and everybody mocks him for not having you know planned better and counted the cost. You out. He ran out of money. It's like the place you drive by on the corner and the building's half built for ten years. But then he tells another one, he says, and it's also like if, if an army is coming against someone and, and you think that you can't win, you send out a, an emissary for peace and sue for peace. That's the picture here. Satan is bringing the war to us. Like it or not, whether you, whether you want to him to not, he is bringing the war to you. We're not, we're not instructed, one of the reasons I think we're not instructed to bring the war to him we don't have to. He's bringing it to us. And all the various forms, doubt, division, all the things we talked about. But this is defensive. You can't sit this one out. You, you, can't, you can't go MIA. You can't plead conscientious objector. Our enemy is pressing the battle against us. And all God wants us to do, and He's equipped us to do it. All He wants us to do is put on the full armor that He's provided for us, and for us to stand our ground and to stand firm. That's number two. Put on the full armor of God. Number three is take up. Take up. This is again, this is similar in meaning. Look at me at verse 13. Therefore, based on verse 12, therefore take up the whole armor of God. He repeats verse 11. And what's the reason here? There's a so that here. So that what? You may be able to resist. ESV has withstand. I think New King James has withstand. But it, this has it, to stand your ground and to resist. So this has a little bit of a uh, more of a proactive uh, nature to it. Uh, turn to James chapter 5 or, or James chapter 4. Resist. Withstand. James chapter 4. Verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. I think that would be put on your armor. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So he says resist. When we resist, he will flee from us. When we stand our ground, he will flee from us. Now think about that for a moment. All we have to do, next week we'll look at, all we have to do is put on these very, all of these pieces of armor and he, and, and, and he will flee from us. We don't have to say any incantations. We don't have to pray against Him. We just have to take up our full armor. And we can, according to Ephesians, when we do that, we can resist Him. And when we resist Him, He has to flee. One more. First, first Peter. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 9. Resist Him. Him is the devil who's prowling around like a roaring lion Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Resist him, firm in your faith. Not go after him, not attack him, not pray against him, but just simply resist him. And we resist him, according to Ephesians, we resist him by putting on the full armor of God. Why else? Verse 13 that you may be able to resist, stand firm, in what? In the evil day. What's the evil day? Well, some have suggested that this evil day is some kind of eschatological end of time. Um, this uh, some, Again, some kind of you know, end time manifestation of Satan. If it was some kind of end time, well, the end time hasn't come yet, and so he he warned them to put on the full armor of God. If the end time they would never ever possibly experience the end time, then why would they need to put on the full armor of God? I think it's probably the the sense of it is probably whenever the evil day comes, and the evil day I take to be whenever we face the onslaught of our enemy. He describes that as an evil day. Whenever we face the forces, uh, the, the the demonic forces in a in a spiritual warfare, that Paul describes as an evil day. So whenever that day occurs, which is could be every single day, whenever it occurs, you will be able to resist. What's that? Okay, let's look at five sixteen. Ah. Yeah, great, Tom, thank you. Uh, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. I mean, first of all, just the days we live in are evil days, but also the description of, of when he comes against us. When he comes against us. Good, good. Take up. Um, so that, <laughs> so that what? We may be, may be able to resist. Well, Put, in, put into, let's, we've been talking about all the individual pieces. Now let's put into big picture what, what Paul is saying here, in verses 10 through 13. He's saying a couple things. He's saying, first of all, we, we have an enemy that, that is spiritual in nature. And so you need to do spiritual battle on a spiritual level. Because he's cunning, he is smart, he is uh, deceptive, um, he's destructive. Um, he's desperate. <laughs> um, so I, I, want you to, you're, the only way you're going to be able to do battle against him is, is on a spiritual level. And I don't want you to go after him because you don't, first of all, you don't have to. He's bringing the battle to you. But number two is, um, that is what Christ's work was. Christ's work on the cross was the offensive battle waged against the enemy, he did the battle for us. He fought the battle for us and he won for us. So that's another reason why we, we don't press the battle against him. Christ already did that for us and won. Remember we talked about in Colossians, he's defeated. But he says, I want you to understand that he is still very active, that he's still very he can be very destructive in your life. And so I want you to put on, I want you to prepare yourselves. I want you to 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 uh, prepare yourselves spiritually. And as you do, and I would say to the extent that we do, we will be able to resist him. And as we resist him, he flees from us. But we know that when he flees, he'll come back. Um, again, I just thought of, remember the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4? The very end of, very end of that whole that whole scene of the temptation of, of Christ in the wilderness. is uh, Remember the temptation? Satan tempted him three times. You know, if you go up, took him up to the top of the temple, said if you jump off, you know, if you eat the turn these stones into bread, you remember that. And and Jesus on each case just countered him, uh, and 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 beat him. And it said, and Satan left him for an op- more opportune time. That's why he says that this is this is a daily battle. Uh, this this has nothing to do with demon possession. This has nothing to do with demon. Um, a harassment, but there is a level, guys. There is a level of spiritual warfare that you and I battle with. Let me just give you one. Let me give you another tactic that we have to lethargy. That's a, that's a tactic of the enemy. Just become we become, become lethargic in our faith, and what happens is we let our guard down. We become lethargic when we become lazy, when we become. Um, Uh, when we don't take God's word seriously, we don't take prayer seriously, we're letting our guard down, we're taking our armor off. So this doesn't have, I'm not, please don't hear me saying or hear Paul saying that there's going to be some kind of supernatural manifestation in this warfare. This warfare, I I would probably say, is very subtle, much more subtle. In in our culture, I know Tom's brothers have shared uh, in other places of the world it's not quite so subtle. But in our culture, it seems to be very subtle, especially against believers. Anything to keep us if being effective in our Christian life, take that as spiritual warfare. So be strengthened by his mighty strength, by putting on, by taking up, by gearing up, every single day. Every single day. Does anybody know where the Bible says that, that uh, I'm trying to think of where it is, where Satan takes a vacation? But he Neil, you got it? Where he takes he takes some time off? Uh I thought I yeah. He doesn't he doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take summer breaks. He doesn't go to well, maybe he does go to Cozumel. I think he probably is Cozumel. Spring break, definitely he's there. Um, uh, guys, this is this is this is why we, it's important for us to stay in the Word and to stay in prayer. This is why it's important for us to know what is true so that we not be deceived. Truth is important. The, 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 for instance, the study in Genesis, in creation. This is important. This is, this is an, a, an element of spiritual warfare. All these things are, are part of putting on our armor in order to, be, to effectively resist the onslaught of the, of the evil one, when he comes against us in all of his subtle, maybe sometimes not so subtle ways, that we stand our ground, that we stand firm in our faith, as we'll look at next week. So what is being advocated here? Uh, three, today is number one. Number one, what is being ad, advocated here is not aggression, but resistance. Spiritual warfare is about resistance, not aggression. Um, I think God is saying, stay in your lane. Um, your lane is resistance, uh, not aggression. And the way we resist him is by putting on all the pieces of the armor. And we're going to look at each one of those pieces of the armor next Sunday. What is being advocated here is not aggression, but resistance. Let's pray. Father, We thank you that you have not left us helpless or powerless. Um, Lord, it's time to gear up. Every single day we need to gear up. We need to put on the full armor uh, that you've provided for us. We need to take our stand and we need to resist the evil one. As he comes against us in all of his various forms, through doubt, through division, um, Lord, through deception, through Tempting us to sin, uh, through an unforgiving heart, all the many ways that you have revealed to us that he comes against us. So Lord, I pray that we, as a church, each individual one of us, would every single day gear up for this battle. And Lord, as next week as we ra- as we look at the, the individual pieces of armor, it's just it's a beautiful picture uh, of all that you provided for us. You've not left us helpless. You've not left us powerless. You will ultimately protect us and watch over us. But we must put on our armor. We thank you and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand and join hands.